Time is running out to reduce your taxes for 2023. If you're like most of the people I've been talking to over the past couple of weeks, there's just this undercurrent of stress on what can be done, what can we do to reduce the taxes, is there anything left, and it's just a little bit of a frenzy because I think every business owner is nervous about how much tax they're going to owe, and there's never really a great easy feeling for that. So I'm going to talk through a few just last minute things that you can do um, to get just a little bit more tax savings before time is completely out. So if that is you, go get your coffee, go get a notepad and let's get going. Hey friend, welcome to the Small Business Finance Podcast. Do you want confidence and clarity with your business finances? Do you find yourself up late at night searching for tax deductions, how to track your business finances, or for QuickBooks tips? Do you wake up with big, ambitious goals, but you end up feeling confused and frustrated because accounting and tax is really foreign? Hi, I'm Tiffany. I've heard this so many times from clients who used to feel this way. They felt overwhelmed about what to do with their numbers and wish that they could stop the financial madness. They wanted clarity and the ability to grasp the financial basics, know who to call, when they had a question and to stop worrying about owing money to the IRS, but they thought they weren't good with numbers and the overwhelm kept them stuck without any solid financial plan until they realized that business systems are the ticket to gaining financial confidence. In this podcast, you will learn step-by-step systems, easy to understand financial tips and mindset transformation so that you will gain financial confidence as an entrepreneur. Dust off your spreadsheet, warm up your coffee and let's get going. seems like every year at this time of year, I have a lot of new prospective clients come in, even existing clients that we work with all year long. And they just want to know, is there anything else we can do before the end of the year to get some more tax savings, to just get a little bit more of a leg up for me to keep a little bit more of the money that I've made this year. That's just the resounding question at this time of year. And rightfully so as business owners, we work really hard to make the money that we make and we want to keep as much as we possibly can and not send that off to the government. So the reality is at this point in time in the year, we're getting to the point where we're pretty limited. You know, the the way that you really should think about reducing your taxes is it should be an all year thing. This is not something that we do a Hail Mary at the end of the year or worse, you know, you're getting ready to prepare your return next spring or sometime next year for 2023. And you're hoping and praying that there is something that can be done to reduce your taxes at that point when the year is totally over. I can tell you it's even less of a likelihood that that that, that is a possibility. But the reality is, is this should be something we're working on all year long. Waiting until the very last minute, trying to throw that Hail Mary pass or just hoping, crossing your fingers, holding your breath, that there's going to be some major thing that can be done. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but at this point, it's unlikely. It's even less likely once we roll past December 31st. So today, what I want to do is go through some things that you actually still do have the possibility of reducing your taxes by doing. Now, caveat, these are not, in general, Well, some of them are massive things. Some of them are really small things. Some of these are not like you're going to write home about necessarily, but they are going to move the needle. And some of them are going to be pretty big. So let's just talk through them and I'll kind of share some of my thoughts on them. Because again, I'm trying to bring you some last minute things that you can do to to move the needle as much as you possibly can. Okay, first things first. And I think that there are 10 strategies. Don't quote me on that. There are several 
I believe they're seven, eight, ten, something like that. <laughs> we'll count them as we go. How about that? The first one is you have the ability to prepay expenses using a safe harbor method. The IRS allows you to prepay expenses for up to 12 months and get a deduction in the current year for those expenses. So let's think about what would qualify for this. Really anything would qualify for this. Any vendor who's willing to allow you to prepay your expenses, like your rent expense. Maybe you have an office space or some sort of a retail space that you rent. You can go to your landlord and ask them, hey, do you mind if I prepay my rent for, for next year? Go ahead and do that in advance and get that to you by December 31st. It is possible they will say yes. It's possible they'll say no, but it is likely that they're going to want that cash now versus later. And a lot of times you can also get kind of a bonus dip. You can also ask for a discount. Hey, Mr. Landlord, if I pay this rent to you by the end of the year, go ahead and give you 12 months up front. Is there any way you can knock off 10%, 5%, something of the amount that I'm going to give you so that you know, you're getting the benefit of all this cash up front. It's going to help us cash flow significantly. But then on the flip side, you're getting that tax deduction. And so oftentimes they will give you some sort of a discount because you're prepaying it. There are other things that you can do this with. You can do this with software. You can do this with really a number of things. Just kind of go through your profit and loss, go through your expenses that you have and look to see what is it that you have that's recurring every month, same thing that you're paying for every single month that you can go ahead and pay for. Now, what I will say is, especially when it comes to software and subscription type services, SaaS, if you will, I would caution you to the only, the only way I prepay 12 months because most of the time software subscriptions always have some sort of a discount. They'll give you a month or two free for paying 12 months in advance. That's kind of a standard thing when it comes to SaaS, which is by the way, software as a service. Most of the time that is always an option out there. It's just standard in the platform. Only do that for software that you use all the time. You do not want to do this for software that you just started using or that you're not hundred percent sure that you're going to be using six months or a year from now. This needs to be stuff that you've used for a while that you love, that you are confident that you are not going to change because there would be nothing worse than for you to decide that you're going to prepay two months of software and two months from now, you go, you know, I don't even like the software. It um, is frustrating me and I want to switch because then you've wasted that money. It's not actually been a savings. It's been an additional cost. So that's the one caveat that I will say. On that, the other thing that I will say when it comes to prepaying these expenses is you can't prepay more than 12 months, it has to be 12 months or less, uh, per the IRS regulations and guidelines on that. So, what is the second thing that we can do? So, the second thing that we can do is we can stop billing customers, clients, and patients. In other words, if you are planning the invoice right up to the very end of the year and then hoping to get that cash by the end of the year, maybe stop doing that. Stop invoicing people. Wait to send those invoices out until January 1st. That way you're not collecting that cash between now and the end of the year. Your uh, revenue has then slowed down, stopped. You're not going to get that extra, that extra profit that's associated with the revenue on it. <clears throat> and conversely, the other thing that you can do is you can stop or you can, excuse me, go ahead and pay vendors that maybe the money's not due until January. Maybe it's due the first one in January or whatever it is. You can go ahead and pay those before the end of the year and go ahead and get that done and taken care of so that the money is coming out of your bank 
and you go ahead and get the write-off. So there's a little bit of um, a cash flow gain, if you will, on doing it that way where you're, you know, not invoicing customers and clients and patients. You're stopping that practice, but you're continuing with the payables side of things, accounts payable or paying bills. So a little bit of a game there, but it's not a bad thing to do, especially if you already have a really big year or, you know, you're concerned that you're about to change tax brackets. This is especially true if you're in that situation. Like if you're kind of at the cusp where you're about to change from one tax bracket to the next, well, then you really want to make sure that you're limiting the money that's being brought in and accelerating as many discounts, or excuse me, deductions as you can so that you aren't jumping into that next tax bracket and paying that much more in tax for the income that you have. The third thing that you can do to reduce your taxes between now and December 31st is to buy office equipment or buy equipment in general. I want to first say before I dig into this is do not go out and buy a bunch of stuff simply because you're looking for a tax deduction. I hear that from time to time where I have a new prospective client come in and they say, oh, well, my CPA or my tax preparer told me to just go buy a bunch of stuff between now and the end of the year and that that would reduce my taxes. And while they're not wrong, it will reduce your taxes. There is zero point in buying a bunch of stuff if you're not going to get some sort of a return on investment for those purchases or if you already didn't have it in your mind to buy those things. I have a client that we were talking here a couple weeks ago and we were going through some strategies we had already put in place and really um, more advanced strategies that I do for my tax advisory services clients, but we were also looking for some other things. And I typically don't, that's not typically something that I do is recommend, hey, let's go buy a bunch of equipment. You typically will not hear me say that to a client because I think it's so common. I, I don't think there's any business owner on the planet that has never been told to go buy equipment. Like that's just such a common strategy when it comes to CPAs that it's not something that I have to say. Because <laughs> I think everybody knows if you need equipment, buy it. But the thing that people don't talk about is, is don't buy it just to buy it. You know, so this client, they already knew that they needed a new like cargo van for their business. It was already in, you know, in their mind, they already had this as something that they needed to do. And so as we were talking about the numbers and kind of figuring out about how much tax he would have, he said, well, I was already thinking about buying this van. Should I try to do it between now and the end of the year? And ultimately we determined that yes, he should based on his numbers. But this was something he was already planning on doing. I've, I've had the converse of that before as well, where people say, oh, well, every year I buy a brand new truck or you know, I, I just kind of feel like I want to buy a new truck for my roofing company or, you know, whatever it is, a, a business that actually makes sense of the vehicle. And my question is always, well, if you want to do that and you're fine with having that additional cost, then go for it. But if you don't have a need for it, you don't really want to, then don't. Um, because there's really no point in having another cost just to have another cost. The other thing is, is on actual equipment you know, specifically within construction or, you know, manufacturing, things like that, where you buy equipment. If you run the numbers, you know, if you're working with someone that's helping you with this, they should be able to run the numbers and you should be able to determine what your return on investment is on that equipment. In other words, when you buy said equipment, 
Are you going to be able to do additional jobs for it? If you're a manufacturing, are you going to get additional output for that equipment? Is there going to be the ability to make more money because you've purchased this equipment? And if so, you know, what is that? There's a math equation. You end up doing this math equation. You determine how much more money in what time frame, et cetera. And then you determine what that return on investment is. If your return on investment is good enough, then yes, it makes sense to go ahead and do it. If it's not, then either the equipment is too expensive. You need to work on your costs. This is a honestly a little bit deeper um, conversation to have, but the return on the investment should be there. And so if you're buying equipment, that really is the ticket. It, you know, the tax side of things and getting a write-off is absolutely a benefit but it's not going to be the driver. It's going to be the money that you can make as a result of those purchases. Okay. I think I've beat that horse, but it's always just so important to talk about that. Cause again, I just don't think very many people do. The fourth thing is, is use your credit card. So when you, if you have credit cards, you have a line of credit and you swipe the credit card or you put it in online or whatever to buy something, you will have 30 days to pay that. So you end up ha having the ability to push out your cash flow on those purchases, but you get the benefit immediately. So when you charge your credit card, you will get that tax deduction immediately. So if you've got enough credit to do that, and it's not going to make you kind of be in a situation where you have other issues as a result of this, then this is a really great thing to do. Now, I will say if you have a credit card and you are a single member LLC or a sole proprietor, then it can be a credit card that's in your name because the IRS doesn't look at the business and you as a distinct entity. But if you are filing as an S-Corp partnership or a corporation, that credit card needs to be in the business name. And if it's not, if it's in your name, then the business needs to reimburse you for those purchases. And um, then that way you're kind of in compliance and doing everything the way that you should be. The next thing is, is don't assume you're taking too many deductions. So I think a lot of times, and I hear this from time to time where people come to me and say, well, I'm afraid that if I take these deductions that the IRS is going to somehow flag me, I'll get in trouble. They will see my numbers and, you know, I'll immediately get an audit. The way that that works, so there are parameters like the IRS knows based on your industry and type of business that you have, what is standard, like kind of what the average amount is for certain categories of expenses. So there is a little bit of that that they look at. So if you, if in your industry, you normally have $10,000 in office expenses every year and you have like a million, obviously I'm exaggerating here, then yeah, that could throw up a red flag that if you are looking to buy a computer and it's the newest Mac and I don't even know how much those cost, 5,000 plus or whatever it is. And it's going to pitch you over that kind of average amount, which by the way, I'm guessing you probably don't even know what these averages are. Then don't, I, don't, I was going to say, don't not double negative here. Buy the computer if you need it. Don't allow the thought of getting audited on something like this keep you from taking a deduction that you really should. Because is that computer a viable deduction and a write-off that you should be getting? Absolutely, yes, it is. So just kind of calm down a little bit. You know, a lot of people I see get a real worried about this sort of thing where they just think that the big bag wolf AKA the IRS is going to come after them if they breathe wrong. Yes, the IRS audits. Yes, there is that risk. I'm not downplaying that at all, but I am saying 
if it is a viable deduction that you're trying to take, take it. As long as you can substantiate it, as long as if there are ever questions that you have the backup for it and you're doing the things that you should be doing, then you really have nothing to worry about. The next thing that you can do is you can convert to a Roth IRA. So there is a tax planning strategy where you can convert your 401k to a Roth IRA. And this is especially good if you are in a year where you're not making as much income. So why is this beneficial? Well, the IRS limits your ability to contribute to a Roth IRA if you make more than a certain threshold. So most business owners that I know make too much money to be able to contribute to a Roth IRA. And the benefit with a Roth IRA, you don't get a tax benefit now, but you do in retirement. And so you end up having less tax in the future when you retire, which the reality is, is tax rates are likely going to go up based on the amount of debt we have in our country. Again, totally different conversation for another day, but anytime that you can do that, especially if you have a year where you're not making as much money, let's say you have a year where your business has a loss or for whatever reason, you just aren't making as much money in that year. Use that as an opportunity to convert some of those uh, traditional IRAs into a Roth IRA. You pay a little bit more tax, so you want to make sure you have the tax set aside to pay for it, but then you end up having a benefit later. And then you don't have um, as many, like you can withdraw that money later without penalty. Like there's a lot of benefits associated with it, but the biggest one is the reduced taxes when you are in retirement. So that is definitely something to consider as well. And then the other thing that I would say, last thing here is use the 0% tax strategy. So this is the last thing on my list. I'm not sure how many we're at here. Let's see. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. So I had seven strategies <laughs> when we started off. I wasn't sure. Use the 0% tax bracket. If there is someone that you give money to, whether it's your sister, your parents, your whoever, a friend, and you often end up giving them money or you know you're going to, maybe you're not often giving them money, but you know they're having a hard time and you are having conversations about giving them some money by the end of the year. It is actually a really smart thing to do. Let's say you have some appreciated stock. You have stock that over the years has increased in value. You've got a pretty big gain that at some point you're going to have to pay. So you will have to pay capital gains on that amount at some point. Give them the stock and let them sell it versus you selling the stock to pay them. And the difference with that will be you don't have a capital gain at that point on that stock. And they will, but likely if you're having to give them money, they don't, they're not going to have to pay capital gains because they don't make enough money to do that. So you end up having less tax as a, as a result of it versus if you were to sell the stock yourself, give them the money from that stock then you have a capital gain and you've given them the money. So if you give them that stock, donate that stock to them, then at that point they have a taxable event. And honestly, even if you donate it to them, you give them that, that, ta that um, stock, then they likely wouldn't have a taxable event because their basis, their cost of that would be whatever the value was at the time that it was donated. So likely they wouldn't have a taxable event anyway. But the reality is, is you would reduce your taxes, which is really what we're talking about here, is trying to get you to the point where you don't have as big of a tax, taxable event. 
So I hope this has been helpful. Some of the things we've talked about are not things that I've talked about much or at all in the past, like conversion to a Roth IRA, even this last one where you're using the 0% tax bracket and donating stock or gifting that stock to other people. There's several things that were new and different that I don't normally talk about. And I felt that these were things that could be really beneficial to certain people. You know, maybe not all of these are ones that you can benefit from, but I feel like there are going to be plenty of you who can. So I hope this has been really great. And as always, I so appreciate the time that you've taken to spend with me. I hope that you have gotten a lot out of this podcast episode. And just as a reminder, over the coming weeks, I'm going to be releasing some great new things. I'll put a little bit of a carrot out there for you. I'm releasing soon a great little course that's going to be extremely affordable, like ridiculously cheap course on how to do your own bookkeeping and do it in Excel versus QuickBooks. I know if you've listened to me for any point in time, you know, I'm not a huge fan for people using QuickBooks under a certain revenue threshold. Like honestly, if you're making less than a hundred thousand a year, you shouldn't be using QuickBooks. It's just too complex. You're going to end up getting yourself in trouble. Just take my word for it. <laughs> so I'm putting together something really cool. Um, it's going to be super straightforward and easy. I don't want to give too much information out, but just keep your kind of ear to the grindstone because you're definitely going to want to be a part of this um, introductory rate that I'm putting out. And I wanted to give you a heads up so that you are looking out for that. And then the other thing that is something that I would ask of you is to leave me a five-star review. It helps other people hear about my podcast. Other people are able to then learn more about just kind of making finances a whole lot easier and simpler and not as complex because let's face it, um, when it comes to finance and business and taxes, it can be pretty tricky. So leave me a five-star review so more people can get the word out. And with that said, thank you so much for being here today. And I cannot wait until next time. 